Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. John Kurtz, KC Sports Network, covers Kansas State, but much more than that. The Big 12, of course, joins us on 365 Sports. John, don't let me forget to ask you about some of the turmoil appears to be in the men's basketball program on the suspension and Jerome Tang and the president will get to that. But what kind of 24 hours has it been when you have a local legend who is beloved, but has an opportunity, which he's turned down other places, big boy schools, and now he's gone. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I mean, it has been a 24 hours. You guys have something good to tell me. Can we start with some good news? <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, man. No. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, no. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, just thought I would check. Yeah, um, it's been rough. Uh, you know, sandwiched in between this was a, a heck of a basketball win last night against Villanova with Tyler Perry hitting a game-winning three. And I, so I was at the game, and it was, you know, we're driving to, uh, to be frank with you, we've known about this common stuff bubbling under the surface for a while. But so that was always present. But the Colin – I was a little blindsided by the Colin Klein piece of this yesterday and, and saw the first tweet that kind of hit like right as we were walking into the arena last night. So I spent most of the game on my phone uh, trying to, to get to the bottom of what was going down. I mean, look, it's, I guess I'll put it like this. The surprise to me comes from the fact that, yes, last year he did turn down Notre Dame. It got very close. And I think in the final hour, K-State made uh, kind of a pull at the heartstrings type of push to, to get him to stay. And then Penn State had come sniffing around. Obviously, they wound up with Andy Kotelnicki, uh this offseason. Penn State came sniffing around, and Colin has a connection with James Franklin, who was Ron Prince's first offensive coordinator when uh, there was there was a little bit of overlap there, I believe, in the recruitment process. Um, so I was surprised that that didn't get further down the road, but it sounded like Colin didn't get real far with that, and then they obviously wind up with Kotelnicki. So I had been lulled to sleep a little bit by this. But I think when you look at the opportunity with Texas A&M, I mean I, – I will put it this way. I think Colin Klein's thinking on this. I think it's a lot of factors. I think it's a lot about his career. I don't think it's all about the money. 
Um, I think there were a number of factors that went into it. And once I started to learn a little bit more, uh, doing some digging on the situation, it, it made more sense to me. And the bottom line is, like, it's hard to be too mad at Colin Klein here. Like, the guy's earned it. He's a stud. And when you see the suitors that have come after him the last two offseasons, I mean, like, hey, you just kind of tip your cap. Like, the guy's done a great job, and, and that's the game, man. He's, he's going to go take another one of those jobs eventually, I think people thought. But I think the frustration is there was a thought that he was going to be the next in line for, for Chris Kleiman uh, or for the head coaching job if and when Chris Kleiman were to decide to hang it up. And, you know, now who knows what happens uh, with all of this, and the timing just couldn't be worse. That's, that's the bottom line. That is the roughest part of this for K-State. You knew you may lose him at some point, but – You've already had three of the quarterbacks leave the quarterback room because they were making the way for Avery Johnson. And now, of course, there's a ton of concern about whether or not Avery Johnson is going to stick around, which early reports have been good on that front, but it's a long way to go before you get to the portal closing and uh, not having to, to really sweat that one out. So timing could not be worse because you're, you have this transcendent quarterback uh, ready to play here within the, the program as, as they try to keep the momentum going from the last couple of years and you just worry about what the snowball effect uh, might be if he were to decide to leave, let alone figuring out how to play a bowl game because they're already having to try and get a waiver just so they can have a backup quarterback uh, to Avery Johnson in the bowl game. So kind of a mess, kind of a mess right now. Yeah, John, and so, yeah, just to, I mean, you said it all there, but so there is a concern about Avery Johnson. I mean, I, I know that's kind of obvious when a coach leaves, but you just wonder with how – you know, they have kind of groomed the situation for him. It just seems like, oh, well, he was going to be automatic. But that is something, I guess, that the K-State fans are going to be worried about, huh? Well, I think it's just a, a – I'm not saying that based on any info because, like I said, everything gotcha. I've heard today has been pretty positive okay, about that. Okay, good. Um, so I think there were – I'm trying to think how to correctly phrase this. Like, I think, I think Avery Johnson was not specifically just loyal uh, to, to Colin Klein. So I think they've got a shot here, but, I, you know – I would under he, he's probably got to be involved with the offensive coordinator selection. I would imagine. Um, I don't know how far down the road they are. I saw Brandon Marcello's report that the momentum was trending toward Connor Riley. I, I'm not sure that it's that far down the road. I'm sure he'll be a candidate. He's internal. He's an offensive line coach. Those guys are usually not offensive coordinators. See what happens with that. But I mean, I know he is, he is a really respected offensive line coach, but I, my hope was kind of that they would go for more of a nat- natural, uh, national rather sort of search there and, uh, and have Avery Johnson be involved in that. I think that's a heck of a, a carrot to throw out there for a potential offensive coordinator. So, yeah, early returns are good that he would stay, but, I mean, he's, he's just such a key to this. Like, I think if he sticks around, this becomes a pretty manageable situation, right? You can go find another offensive coordinator. There are a couple, even beyond Connor Riley. I know, like, Brian LePac is a guy that they really like on staff. I think there may be some concern about him going with Colin who I believe is going to get free reign to hire a couple of coaches um, at Texas A&M, and that was a part of the appeal uh, for his contract there. So, uh, you know, Josh Buford's another guy on staff. I think they feel uh, – they think very highly of, but um, I'm not sure how far of a bump he'll get on the staff. So I, there's a lot of moving parts as far as that goes. I would hope that Avery Johnson becomes involved in it. But if he sticks around, it, this can be manageable. If he leaves, then you may have – I mean, they've got a lot of young, talented skill players that I know are – really tied in with Avery. I mean, you just worry about how 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 much that snowball could get rolling if, if he decides not to stick around. So it's just going to be a tenuous time, really, no matter what happens until you get to the point where you know for sure that he's going to be locked in for next year. John, for fans that were hoping for Colin Klein to be the next head coach, Chris Klein is not old. Like, it, I mean, I don't know, like, unless he, 
you know, has like a goal that he would get and then not do that. That, that seems to be kind of a silly thing to like wait on. That would be a, a kind of a long time because Kleiman's uh, damn good coach is not going anywhere. Chris Kleiman, I do not think is a guy who wants to coach as long as say a Bill Snyder did. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, it's kind of one of the worst kept secrets I would feel like at this point around K state, not that the guy's going to retire tomorrow or anything, but I just think he's, he's cut from a different cloth than what K state before and Bill Snyder. And that's like, you know, obviously the, the line of thinking a lot of people would have when they just saw Bill Snyder coach as long as he did there at K state. So, um, I'll just throw that into the mix, but you're right. I mean, look, and I, you know, I kind of bought into it too. I had hoped that it would work out like that, but it was all, especially when you started to see who was sniffing around last year, it was always going to be unrealistic uh, probably to be able to, to keep him around to make that perfect transition. I think the the fear now is just like, you know, you get a taste of the big time. I think a lot of this was like Colin Klein wanted to make sure like Colin's been running this offense with the resources available at K-State, which are certainly very competitive for the big 12. But I think a part of him wanted to go do it with another coach and go do it with the resources of a big time program. And, as much as we can joke about what Texas A&M accomplishes with those resources, they have resources. <laughs> so you, you can't get much better in terms of what he's going to have to work with at, at Texas A&M. So I, I think some of that is a part of it. And then you worry, you know, once you get a, you know, what, what is it? Like you see, you show the guy a taste of Paris or whatever. I mean, I forget what the exact saying is like that, but basically you get a taste of the big time. What's going to happen there. I mean, does he ever come back? I think it's legitimate concern, but you just kind of have to let him go. You know I mean? K-State fans have been through this with Brent Venables. That was always a, uh, dream that K-State fans had of him coming back as an alum to be a, a coach at K-State. He's a guy that not only played for Bill Snyder, but coached under Bill Snyder on some of the best teams that Bill Snyder had in the, the mid to late 90s. So that was always a dream, and it never worked out. And I think that's, that's fans' concern is that this is going to be another, another situation like that. John, you know how it is with just outside general perception. Like, we – have a pretty we follow K State pretty close, but we don't know what it's like inside the way that that you and, and others like you do. So from the outside looking in, eight and four seems like a pretty respectable season, albeit a little bit disappointing because all four of those games are games that could have gone the other way. I mean, all very tight games. Uh, but coming off that Big Twelve title last year, um, a chance at nine wins does that have people excited, or how would you sort of define or describe the twenty twenty three season for K State and their expectations? Yeah, it was a little disappointing. I, I call it a little disappointing for most, um, especially because of the way that it played out. They were so close at Texas. Um, you know, the game you feel like they, they probably should have won. The Missouri game was really frustrating at the beginning of the year, and there was a lot of back and forth between the two fan bases on that. You know, local rivals, that was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, the Kansas win was really nice, and, you know, if you wouldn't have had that, I think K-State fans would have been looking at this as a pretty disastrous year. Um, but they, they did get that. But to lose the Iowa State game and to lose it the way that they did with, I mean, historically, uh, you go through the numbers in terms of yards per play, literally like points per play. Iowa State scored like 1.3 points per play in that game. It was historically maybe the worst defensive performance K-State has ever put out there on the field. I, and just to have it happen that way left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because that that is a rivalry game. That's, uh, that's a coach that in K-State fans feel like they should be beating more than, than Chris Kleiman has. And uh, that was that was a really bitter pill for people to swallow at the end of the year. So I would have characterized it as as mildly disappointing, um, which is a testament to where they had raised the level of the program the last couple of years, for sure. Um, but it, it was the way that it happened and who some of the losses were to 
um, you know, basically the, the biggest games on the schedule outside of Kansas is, is what really kind of colored that as a disappointment, I would say, for most. Yeah, and being at the five or three or whatever yard line they were in Austin after coming back against Texas, um, there's a lot of people that those who don't like UT, should they not be blaming K-State for the factor in the semifinals? Oh, I think that's totally fair. I think it's totally <laughs> fair. I mean, K-State had first and goal at the six, man. Um, and I, you know, you can go relitigate that entire thing, but I, I feel like even Colin Klein, I feel like he dialed up a couple of touchdowns there that just weren't executed. I mean, you look at the first and goal play, Will Howard cut it left. If he has the vision to go right, I, he's either going to score or get pretty close down to the one or two. And I think that drastically changes what your options are, your play calls. They had jump pass that was going to be there, but Devondre Sweat uh, knocked it down. The Vincent, it was also wide open on that play over to the right. I mean, it's just I could go on and on. They probably should have scored on three of the four plays. They scored on zero of the four plays. And, uh, there you have it. So let me know what's happening with K-State basketball with Jerome Tang. It's excitable. Uh, obviously, he called out the, the students. They showed up in droves. A great last-second win last night. But is there something going on between he and the president or the school and the suspension of one of their better players? Yes. Uh, absolutely. Um, not, it's not great right now. Um, so what you have, Naquan Tomlin has not played the entire year. Uh, you could argue that he's the best player on K-State's roster. You know, I mean, it'd be between him or, or Arthur Kaluma or Tyler Perry. Um, but he got a lot of really good feedback this offseason that, you know, I think he was borderline close to leaving for the NBA. He got such positive feedback there. So, like, he's a dude. He hasn't been available the entire year. Um, he was arrested in a bar fight. Um, trying to remember the specific timing on that, but right before the season uh, got started, and uh, or very early in the season. Again, I'm I'm mixed up a little bit on the dates there, but he hasn't played the entire year. He's missed every game K State has played, right? So he goes through the legal process on this. Jerome Tang had said early on, like we got to let the legal process play out, and then we'll kind of go from there. And early on, he had said we're kind of treating it like a season-ending injury right now, but you know we'll see what happens, and then. He goes through the legal process. It winds up going to diversion. And so as far as the legal stuff is concerned, it seems like it is over. He's he's on diversion. There are some terms that he has to carry out. Um, but he's been working toward doing some of that. I know some of it was community service. He was out uh, handing out turkeys for Thanksgiving that he had bought. They, they made a big deal to publicize that on social media. So he had been doing all the right things. He had started coming. He's been on the bench uh, for the last handful of games all of a sudden, but not – not warming up or anything, just back on the bench. So like kind of a part of the team, but not really. I think behind the scenes, Jerome Tang and company expected slash wanted him to be back within the last week or two. Uh, that did not happen. And it's being held up by the university president. Um, and I, I feel very, very confident from about 10 different angles that he is the guy. He is the lone guy holding it up right now. And that has created a lot of friction with the basketball staff. And of course, the concern there becomes, you know, Jerome Tang's a pretty pretty coveted commodity. He's been a, an unbelievable fit, not only just what he's done winning at the school, but changing the culture of the basketball program, making it a very cool uh, program that I think, you know, especially if you're thinking from a university president perspective, opens a lot of eyeballs and a school that's been struggling a little bit in enrollment lately. It just does not seem like a very – I'm just giving you my opinion right now. That does not seem like a very sensical opinion uh, or, or move to make if you're the university president right now and it's it's gotten public enough now after bubbling under the surface for a little while that you had students protesting outside of the outside of i believe it was anderson hall uh 
where where his office is today. Anyway, there was a protest. Naquan Tomlin showed up. Players are retweeting like free Naquan stuff. I mean, it's pretty clear how the how the staff feels about this right now, and we'll see if anything gets changed. I mean, I I think as of right now, you know, the president's decree would be that he's he's not going to play. Uh, hopefully that can change and, and we'll see. But I think there's a lot of concern about damage between the relationship there and what that means for Jerome Tang's future at K-State. And this is a fan base that is very, very, very sensitive to that fact because of what played out with John Curry and Frank Martin and Kirk Schultz. Um, speaking of characters, everybody knows and loves around here. Um, back in the day, when those two combined to basically make Frank Martin's life a living hell enough to the point where he decided to leave for South Carolina. Uh, John Curry was really overstepping his bounds in a lot of ways and made that a very difficult, untenable situation for Frank Martin, culminating in an incident where they dug up a receipt from Jamar Samuels for a wire transfer that he had gotten from a family friend back home, and they turned that into a huge deal, wouldn't let Jamar Samuels play, and then it was very shortly after that that Frank Martin decided to leave. So you've had a similar thing play out with a wildly popular head coach before, and look, nothing against Frank Martin, who I love and gave me some great, great memories during my college years, but I think Jerome Tang is a better coach than Frank Martin. And if you do this again to this fan base, uh, well, look, uh, reputational damage I think is already done as far as the, the president goes to the fan base and the way everyone's been reacting today. But, yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty uh, stressful times. Stressful times right now in Manhattan. Man, I, I, I could feel that late yesterday as the day was winding mm-hmm. down yeah. from you and others. It was like, man, and I, I, the, the Colin Klein report was there. And it seemed like this was different, as you mentioned, the Notre Dame, Penn State, or whoever else. But, man, it's, it's football team's pretty good. They weren't as good as they could have been and they had opportunities but didn't get it done. But, whoo, right now it seems like there's a lot of turmoil. Good luck covering all that, John, and, uh, and get through the next few hours and get some good sleep. Hey, I appreciate that, guys. Anytime. Good to talk to you. You too. That's John Kurtz from KC Sports Network with us on K-State Football. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.